Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. And we are back here live at the TI, the Golden Circle Sportsbook, having a lot of fun. Myself, Vinny Bonsignor, riding shotgun. Little Unnecessary Roughness in the huddle collaboration. Start things off every single morning. I do too, man. 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Got the morning tailgate. We got a little tailgate of our own going on right now inside the inside the TI, inside the Golden Circle tailgate, but inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook, excuse me. But make sure you wake up, man, and, and make sure you just ride with us all day long. Clay Baker and company kind of uh, have you rolling from uh, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then JT the Brick, noon to 2. I go in 2 to 4. And then Vinny holds it down 4 to 6 p.m. So we got you live and local all day long. Uh, great, great roster of uh, talent that we have here at Raider Nation Radio 920. Very proud of uh, the job that we're doing and just how we're bringing the Raiders to you and bringing it to Las Vegas and, of course, uh, worldwide as well. As many people listen on the Raiders mobile app, uh, just click on the radio, bink, right there, and you're good to go. Uh, many thanks to Jose Sanchez, who joined us in the in the last hour talking all things 49ers and, and Raiders uh, as far as this preseason game number three goes. Uh, got a lot of good feedback, though. We're getting a lot of people hitting us up by way of the Salmon Ash text line. You can do that at 69187, keyword R&R, and also the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's go on out to the Raider Nation listen line and uh, talk to our guy, Papa Meach. You're on Unnecessary Roughness here uh, on Raider Nation Radio 920. What's on your mind? Hey, man, I got two studs on one call. Hi, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, man. You're the stud. Yep. You're the stud. <laughs> no, thank you. Hey, uh, you know, I think um, Regis stays in Vegas. That's my prediction. For nice. Guys. Ah, I like that. And um, the thing, a really weird thing about football to me is, as a fan, is the season ends and you're in a depression, and you can't wait for the months to go by, and then you can't wait for, you know, the draft and preseason and all that stuff. And now I just can't wait for preseason to get over. <laughs> <laughs> and then we start the regular season, and I look up, and before I know it, it's halfway through, and then yep. it's over. So, you know, it, a lot of emotions going on. But, guys, here's my prediction, if we could just get ahead of preseason for the for the regular season. I think the first two games are critical for the Raiders. Uh, I predict that we're going to have to uh, swap what we did last year. I think we have to play at least 500 on the road. And I think we have to dominate at home. I think we have to win either six of the nine games or seven of the nine games to get in the playoffs. And if we start our season uh, 2-0, and I'm going to be the happiest Raider fan in the nation. If we're 1-1, <laughs> and I'm still breathing great. And if for some weird reason we start 0-2, I'm not saying we're out of it, but uh, my little fog of depression will be uh, kind of starting up there for me. So that's my feelings kind of about the season uh, and i really appreciate you guys uh, i love this station and uh I, I, you know i haven't called your guys shows as much as i do with clay in the morning but uh i just appreciate you guys and and uh, uh you don't know how much you make my day to have this station on in the background while i'm working thank you well we appreciate you papa meach great call uh and yeah uh, definitely i've heard you call uh, the the morning tailgate before and i definitely appreciate that and uh, keep it coming, man. Uh, definitely hit us up throughout the course of the day as well. I like the Regus stays in Vegas. That's a cool little I like it. catchphrase right there. I'm sure Trey's riding around uh, LV right now like, yeah, good idea. I can dig <laughs> it. Yeah. All right, so he said six wins at home? He said six at home, and this is the thing. We're in Vegas. Vegas has the Raiders as a six-win team. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. A, I think it's a soccer bet. But I do too. Okay. Uh, but let's look at those six wins here. I'll, okay. I'll just run the home Yeah, game. go for it. Uh, Ravens. Dolphins. I think the I think they're. You know what? I'm gonna say that they start off with a win. I think that there's that that uh, that 
the fans, Raider yeah. Nation, is really going to help will them. And you were there for every game last year. I think there was a few games that Raider Nation could have helped will them to victory last year. Yeah, it was like playing in a library yesterday. I don't right. want to deal with that anymore right. uh, ever again. The Dolphins, September 26th. I can see that as a win. The Bears, October 10th. It's going to be interesting. I wonder who's the quarterback at that point. But, okay, I'm not going to answer on that one. The Eagles, October 24th. I think that's a dub. The Chiefs, November 14th. Ooh, man, you could love to get some get back on that one after letting one slip away last year at home. Uh, that's going to be a tough one, obviously. We'll see where they're at at that point. Cincinnati, November 21st. That's a dub. Washington, December 5th. Got a tough front defensive line, man. That defensive line ain't no joke. They like to eat. The Broncos, December 26th, the day after Christmas. They always uh, finish the season strong against the Broncos. And the Chargers on January 9th. I say that even though they, they won last year and they lost the year before. But, right. you know. <laughs> Right. Uh, and who, who ends the season, Chargers? Chargers. Yeah, I see that as a dub. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. But they, they do, to Papa Meech's point, they've got to do better than two and six at home like they did a year ago. There are six to seven wins, I think, um, on that schedule, especially at home. Right. Um, you got to have 12. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is my point. If you're going to make the playoffs in 2021, you've got to find 12 wins. Okay. Um, let's and, say- and that's not easy. Right. Is 11 wins acceptable for you? I mean, wherever it gets you. 10 wins is acceptable. 10 and 7? Yeah, but it's not going to get you to the playoffs. 10 wins didn't get Miami to the playoffs last year. So 10 10 wins, I mean, you're still improving. You get double-digit wins. I mean, you have to feel good about your season. But I know that Raider Nation is starving for the playoffs. I know John Gruden is starving for the playoffs. I know Derek Carr is starving for the playoffs. So if the the goal is playoffs or bust, you've got to aim for 12. Hey, how you doing? You doing it? What you what you drinking on? What is that? Blue Moon? Oh, okay. Okay. It had a nice little glow to it, so I thought I'd ask. That works too. <laughs> hey, what's up, brother? Hey, how you doing? Chilling, chilling. See you guys. Happy New Year. <laughs> Got some Raider fans uh in it's the August, house. dude. What it's the new year of the season. <laughs> oh, okay. Q. It's like, what are we keep, talking about? Keep up, Q. <laughs> I had no idea. I, I haven't was seen like, these guys since the last, since my last bad. season. My bad. Okay, I got you. <laughs> it's no always idea. Happy New Year. When I was the like, starts. it's August, dude. Happy New Year. That's NFL style. It's the Happy okay, New Year. Okay, okay. I'm a, okay. Hey, I'm a new booty. I'm learning. Got to learn. That's all right. Oh. Let's go out to the Raider Nation. Listen to like, because our guy Mitch is in New Jersey. Mitch, how you doing? How's it going, Vinny? I'm I'm good. I'm here with Q at the uh, Treasure Island, We're the chilling. Golden Circle Sportsbook. We got a couple of Raider fans who just walked in. Happy to see that, of course. What's on your mind? That's nice. Always having a good time. First of all, I think Kansas City made a big mistake not throwing in Patrick uh, Mahomes from day one. He should have been strong from day one. It's New England by with Tom Brady. Well, I'm wor- I'm concerned. I want to make sure. I hope Thomas Thomas and McCoy. Okay. With this expansion of the season, so many preseason games, they should expand their roster. I, I like all these uh, guys we have here. I, I like all uh, the 12 season linemen. Because you have, we have to cut a couple. It's, it's going to be a shame, and I hope it doesn't come back to burn us. Nice rotation we got going there. They the haven't expanded the rosters, but they kind of have. Because right. the rules with the practice squad, yeah. there's way more, flex, way more okay. flexibility uh, being able to bring guys up and down. So it's not officially right. an expanded roster, but it kind of is. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit better, uh, you know, and, and it's always tough to talk about expanded rosters because if you expand rosters, you got to pay guys. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, right. you know, and, and of course the salary cap, it will at some point go back up. But I mean, right now it's uh, it, it, it's tough. It's a tough day out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And you'd always like to keep all your guys, but it's just not the reality. It's not college football. It's not high school football where the rosters are enormous. So uh, that's why it's got to be when you're a head coach and you're a, a, a GM and John Gruden says it all the time. You've got to find the best 53 because it's a tough it's a tough roster for sure. And the way you can protect four practice squad players, yeah. that's, what, what that means is no other team can swoop in right. and sign and, and put them on your 53. So the reality is you've got 57 men yep. on, on your roster uh, when you think about it along those terms because you control right. the fate of those other four players that you're able to protect. Absolutely. 702-365-9200 is the number. Raider Nation listener line. Let's go to uh, Brian and Henderson. You're on uh, Raider Nation Radio. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, great collaboration between the two of you. We're just missing Lincoln. Yeah, um, right. I, think exactly real. Just, I, I wish you guys were just extended from 12 to 6. You guys could just rotate. I know you guys have to press conferences and stuff like that. I understand. Right. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, but I am looking at, uh, what's his name, Willie Sneed being cut. Okay. Uh, Rudin only carries six receivers. Okay. For, and so I don't see that happening. I think D.J. Turner makes the team. Okay. You know, when, when's the last time, you know, we've had a good punt returner, what, four, <laughs> you know, from Clemson a long time ago? Hunter Renfro. You, Hunter Renfro's no, a good no, Well, I'm talking about scoring touchdowns. Well, he got one taken back last year. Returns. Yeah, he did. Right. You know, so stuff like that, I would like to see uh, DJ Turner. Um, in regards to, um, God, the running back that everybody's counting out who's got COVID and, and oh, who's injured. Oh, Richard, Jalen Richard. Yeah, Richard, Jalen Richard. Um, how many times has he been counted out? I'm not saying that yeah, Ray is, is a gun. You know, I see that um, he's going to probably be on IR for a couple games. Yeah, Regus makes the team, and then maybe be maybe Regus goes back to the practice squad. Something like that I could see happening. Um, but Q earlier in your a podcast, Raider Dot has some good Bella points. You know, he really did in regards to what he was talking about not practicing, you know, some of the starters and so on. Last year, we all know, COVID season, rugs need some burnt, in my opinion. So does Brian Edwards. But I understand. Believe right. me, I do. They cannot get hurt. I get it. But you can expect – we don't know how the first two games of the first game of the season is going to pan out. We have no idea. We don't know what uh, Abrams is going to look like, you know, in his new position. We don't – you know, I'm – Looking forward to Devon Diablo on Sunday. You know, I think he, if he can stay healthy, bring a lot of punch to our linebacker crew. I think he's totally like opposite of Tanner Muse. You know, Tanner Muse is probably good, you know, in the box against the run, where I think Diablo is more of a true, you know, safety. Right. You know, where, where he can cover the tight end. I watched Corey Littleton get burned by um, Travis Kelsey. I mean, who doesn't? Right. But Corey Littleton was brought in to cover people like a Travis Kelsey. So it's not. Nah, I want to see somebody younger, like Deion Diablo, who's got the speed to cover Kelsey. Somebody like that. You know, I wish him well, just like White. White's got the speed. Right. You know, so, but, you know, so I, I really am excited about White and Deion Diablo more than anything. Gillespie, I could see him be placed on Travis squad. Okay. You know, I, I really like him, though. No, I think I think Gillespie makes the team, uh, yeah. and I, Corey Littleton. I've seen him defend uh, Travis Kelsey. You're not going to shut him down by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know what happened uh, to Corey Littleton last year. 
Uh, but, but you know, I, I expect a bounce-back season uh, from Corey, especially uh, as a, as a uh, pass defender. And uh, Tanner Muse has speed. That's the whole point. That, that's one of the reasons why he's out there. He is an athletic, big, um, fast, and athletic uh, uh, linebacker. I think he and Diablo are kind of not necessarily one and the same. Right. But – they have some similar skill sets. They got some similar skill sets, and we appreciate your call, Brian. Good stuff. Uh, and, you know, we'll say that, um, you know, going to Raider Dot's call, which you're talking about, just to fill everybody else in, is the fact that, uh, you know, I've, I've been saying that I feel like the Raiders are, are a closer team than they've been in a while to really making a move because of what we've been able to see at practice and training camp, Vinny, and, and, you know, especially the defense. I feel like this defense is better. I feel like this team is is headed in the right direction, and, uh, the you know my guy's uh, call was saying yeah but that's just what you're seeing in practice that's what we're seeing in preseason how do we know and I mean you don't know I'm just going off gut feeling and it just feels different I yeah I agree and I'll go back to a conversation that I had with some Rams people like that you know do their own thing with their own team right. and know what they're looking at uh, and we were talking on the sidelines during joint practice uh, with the Raiders and the Rams and even they saw it Right. And, you know, I always reiterate this. In 2019, we went up to Napa as, you know, I, I was part of the Rams media. I covered right. the Rams at that point uh, to, to joint practice against the Raiders ahead of a preseason game. Kind of almost the same exact situation now. And it was laughable what, where that roster was. Yes, you saw some young players, that 2019 class, Derek Carr. We saw a young right. Darren Waller. But across the board, it was like, wow, this is going to take some, uh, a little while. That's the same people that I was talking to back then that were saying that back then are saying this looks completely different. They're much closer now. They are a better football team. Right. That's that's what I believe as well. So we'll see. I mean, that, and I remember that training camp. That was when Gabe Jackson got hurt. Uh, he got rolled up on and missed a few uh, weeks. He had that uh, sprained MCL. Let's go quickly out to the Raider Nation listener line one more time. Raider 27, what's on your mind this afternoon? Hey, man, you guys have had some really good callers, and I am talking to the varsity all-star team. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. So I'm sitting here looking at the defensive line because that's going to be, I think, the most critical. I think our offensive line, from what I've seen, they're going to be fine. I'm not that worried about our offensive line. But our defensive line, who goes and who stays? You know, you've got Unique and Godway and Crosby. They're going to make the team. Nassib and Farrell are going to make the team. Yep. And they're sitting there saying they really like Malcolm Coots. Are you going to put a fourth-round pick out there who's looked good in the preseason and, and take a chance? And and um, Gary um, – Jerry Green. Gary Green has looked really good. They, you know, the book on him was he was all about the run, but he's done really good. You know, again, rushing the passer. And then you got Hankins and Phylon are going to be the one. But then you get to three, and you've got Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, and um, Niles McCoy. Yeah. What happens to Vickers? Well, here's the you thing. Know, I mean, um, you can't you know, keep them all. Right. You can't keep them all. But remember, um, you have four protected practice squad um, spots. Okay. Oh, so, is that veterans? Uh, no, not, not yeah, it could be yes, uh, but the but uh, whoever it is, you can you can keep you can protect four guys. All right, so that means they're on your practice squad. They're relatively they're they're basically on your squad on your roster, roster right. because mm-hmm. you have control over that. All right, so I can see one of those defensive linemen that you're wondering about, and wow, how do you justify cutting this guy? 
um, provided they, they, they you know, get through waivers, then you just put them on the practice squad as one of those four spots. I can see that happening with one of the wide receivers as well and maybe even one of the cornerbacks as well. So look at it as there's a 50-man roster this year because you have four spots on that practice squad that are yours. Uh, that that you control and for the most part you control a lot of those practice squads anyway because everyone else has their own practice squad that they're trying to kind of keep intact that have been in their program now for all of training camp so uh, I think some of these questions are while they're difficult it makes it a lot easier when you have 16 uh, spots on the practice squad and you can you know six of those spots can go to players that have accrued you know, in the past, two years ago, right. there were a bunch right, of guys right. that you couldn't mm-hmm. use on the practice squad because they had accrued too much time uh, in the NFL. They weren't eligible anymore. Right. You know, these guys are all free agents until we, they're actually signed on the practice squad. So if you release a player, uh, a young player, he's a free agent. He can be signed by anybody. So they really, truly are at risk until they're signed onto the practice squad. True. Well, yeah. if, but if you do sign somebody as right. an opposing team, you got to put them on your fifty-three, right? And I mean, oh, and remember I that was after they were on the practice squad. No, no, this—that's a yeah. They no. If you do sign someone to to uh, from a, a practice squad, you have to sign them to the fifty-three. And even roster. coming off of whatever cuts happen uh, next week, uh, if somebody gets picked up on waivers, they have to go on the fifty-three man roster. You can't sign anybody and then just automatically put them on your practice squad. It has to go through a whole process before that's allowed to happen. Okay, so I was wrong on that. I thought that until they were actually signed on the practice squad, they were truly a free agent and they could be signed to someone else's practice squad. If they clear waivers and go through all of that, yes, you can definitely do that. But usually the team that cuts you has kind of an agreement with you, like, hey, we want you back on the practice squad. You just have to uh, go through waivers. If you go through waivers or if you get picked up on waivers – you get put on the 53-man roster by, the, by whoever picks you up. Right, and that's that, that's something that happened to Keelan Doss. And thank you so much for the call. We appreciate you. That happened to Keelan Doss uh, his rookie year. Remember, he was waived, and then the whole Antonio Brown fiasco happened, and then the Raiders went and picked him up from the Jaguars practice squad, and he actually got paid a little bit extra coin because the Jaguars were giving him a nice amount of coin. So the Raiders had to go and pay him a little bit extra money to get him to say, yeah, I'll come up off your practice squad. But – when they did that, they had to put him on the 53-man right. roster. So that's how that works. So thank you so much for that call, Papa Meach. Thank you so much for that call, Mitch in New Jersey and Raider 27, plus Brian and Henderson. Lots of good stuff right there. Uh, we do appreciate you. Coming up next, Ben Standig from The Athletic. He has a piece that he put out uh, about uh, basically GMs and, and, well, it was actually agents and their opinions on GMs and front offices across the league. Oh, boy. Yeah, it wasn't really glowing reviews about the Raiders, but I'll not only talk about the Raiders, we'll talk about a, a bunch of different teams across the league. We'll do that next with Ben from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Oh, that's me. Oh, we on? Turn this thing on. <laughs> that's like when you're back in the day, man, you know, when you were uh, trying to be a rapper. We all tried to be a rapper one day. I literally got inside the closet at my homeboy's house in his recording studio one time. And they said, all right, Q, go. And I tried to flow, and that flow was not there. And you, so I got, out the, I got out the booth and said, no, thank you. You flowed right to radio. I did. 
I did. It's a lot easier. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot more my style, my speed. We all have our calling. I became the hype man, though. Ah, I could be the hype man. Okay. Every good MC needed a hype man. No doubt about it. I was that guy. But don't get out of your lane. No. Like MC Hammer back in the day, and I know I'm aging myself, but that's okay. Hammer back in the day had two big MC. Too big was dope, right? And then too big tried to be a rapper. Yes, and he got out of his lane. Yeah, you can't get out of your lane. Ludacris had a great hype man. He tried to get out of his lane. All bad. Anyway, we're back here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness in the huddle. We're doing it real big here at the TI Golden Circle Sportsbook. Vinny Bonsignor, your boy Q, and right now we're pleased to have on the phone line Ben Standig from the Athletic. And Ben, we appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. And you got an article out that uh, really caught everyone's attention, uh, NFL agent survey talking about a bunch of front offices uh, across the league and what these agents are, are feeling about, about these different front offices. And so before we really dive into it, what was kind of the criteria? How did all these different quotes come up? And, and just what was the questions that were asked to these agents? Yeah, I mean, I guess basically I, I started this. This is the third, um, third time I've done this. And I just always looked at it like, you know, obviously the players, you know, agents are not the ones on the field making the plays. They're not on the sideline coaching, uh, calling the plays. They're not in the front office drafting and signing players. They're not in the ownership box paying the players. But they are sort of at the intersection of all of these things. They're obviously representing the players and trying to get them whatever, the best contract they can or just getting them a tryout for, uh, you know, for, for training camp, whatever that may be. Um, but they also have to negotiate with not just one team, but all the teams. They have to come back and do it over and over again. It's not just about this one player. It's the next one and the next one and so on. And from that, because they they talk to everybody around the league and they have the perspective and they hear from the players, they hear from the other places, they have a really interesting and unique perspective on on what's going, what's going on around here. And, um, you know, whether you, whether it's a question about, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers saga, you know, I whether they are directly involved or not is some of these questions. You know, again, they they're 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 very interested parties who talk to people who have their own opinions. And obviously, you know, the same thing I asked about uh, John Gruden, the Raiders, how about Jerry Jones and the Cowboys? It's been 25 years since they won a Super Bowl. What's going on there? And you know, it's not it's easy to take pot shots like we all do sometimes when we're having the bar conversations about this team or that player or whatever. And there's some of that that goes on here with these agents, not going to lie. Some of them were, 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 were down to take shots, but a lot of it comes from a place of, hey, I've talked to these people. I know what's going on for better or for worse. Here's my view, and that's kind of how I try to sort of approach this whole thing. You know, Ben, me and Vinny here were talking earlier about our business is really a relationship-based business, and I, I know your business is also a business-based relationship. How much uh, is it from what you've been able to uh, collect, the intel that you've been collecting, uh, is it – business and, and, and uh, relationship based as well when it comes to the agents and front offices I mean, I mean when it comes to the agents and the front offices or from yeah, my, or well, from me with yeah no agents that are dealing with front offices how much of it is like I said relationship based yeah for, for, for sure I mean you know the one some of the questions probably the one section I've had every single time I've done this is, is about general managers who is the best general manager? Who's the best talent evaluator? But also, who do you trust the most and who do you trust the least? And, you know, within that, I mean, it, it says a lot about the dealings that they've had. Obviously, you know, Chris Ballard with the Colts has been the one who, I think it's three years in a row, has won for the uh, best talent evaluator. He's also highly regarded on the trust factor. And, you know, whether all these agents deal with 
they, they deal with all different uh, all different executives. And the fact that he comes up over and over again as somebody that that they like says something about the relationship, the connection they have with him. Obviously, Chris Bauer does a good job. I mean, yes, the Colts have been sort of snake bit at the quarterback position the last couple of years, but he, overall, he's done a pretty good job getting that team together. He's signing players to the, to, to big contracts. They're doing, they're, you know, the, they're, they're, he's not just some patsy, which is why they like him. They, they like him because they like doing business with him, and it goes the other way as well. Um, a couple of years ago, when I started this. Howie Roseman with the Eagles. I think one agent told me, like, if he put, you know, if he had to build a, um, a GM in a lab for all the things you want, Howie Roseman would be the answer. This time, now that the Eagles are on the, a bit of a decline, he was the one that came up with the, as the least trustworthy, and there were a lot of reasons given. Some of them are just like, hey, he plays really, he plays a lot of hardball with what he's trying to do, which may seem reasonable, but from a relationship perspective, it obviously turned off. Some agents the wrong, uh, you know, rub some agents the wrong way, and um, you know that I don't know, you know, that says something about this guy standing in the league, and, and I, I think you're right. The relationship aspect of this, it, it goes, it, it doesn't, it, it recycles over and over again. The agents are the ones, maybe more than anybody else, who will be there for the long haul. Coaches change, players change, uh, GMs change. The agents, <laughs> they tend to stay around. <laughs> Ben, uh, when you talk about the trustworthy factor, and you just mentioned, um, you know, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles general manager, his trust factor uh, has dwindled. It sounds like. Uh, what what kind of examples do we have in terms of, uh, of you know trust being breached or trust factor diminishing? Are there some examples of that 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 they can point to that illustrates the how how that was was breached, how that trust factor was breached? Sure. I mean, it's hard to put out specifics because that would potentially, therefore, give away this was an anonymous survey. And, you know, if you start getting into too many specifics, that would lead to uh, potentially lead to, well, wait, obviously, it's this <laughs> agent, um, you know, for, for better or for worse. Um, I, I, I guess in, in his particular case, it was just a matter of um, a lot of people say like he'll, he'll do whatever he has to do. To, to basically to win the to win the situation, and again, people might think, "Well, isn't that what you want <laughs> right. out of out of the person in that spot?" And I guess it comes down to like anything else, right? Maybe you win the battle, lose the war type thing. And obviously, you know, it's probably also a little bit easier right now to, to pick on Howie Roseman because the Eagles are you know in a bad spot. Just a few years ago, they won they win the Super Bowl. You know, people are impressed. Um, you know, they did it with Nick Foles, a quarterback. You know, but it wasn't a Brady Rogers Mahomes situation, and but now they've gone the opposite way. They had a pretty miserable uh, 2020 season, new coach, new quarterback. Things are starting over, so maybe some of the reasons, some of the things that the agents were willing to accept from him a couple of years ago, now are like, all right, you know what, hot shot, now you're not in such a great spot. Here's what I really kind of think about you. We're talking to Ben Standig from The Athletic. Uh, you can follow him at Ben uh, Standig, and he's uh, written a, a great story. It's a uh, a, a survey that he does with, with agents uh, that gets into relationships with general managers, who they feel um, have a keen eye for talent and who they don't think uh, has a keen eye uh, for talent. Obviously, we cover the Raiders here. I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Um, and I'm sure, you know, John Gruden and Mike Mayock came up. Where do they fall, uh, that tandem, in terms of the overall assessment of them from the, uh, from the agent's world? Yeah, look. I mean, obviously, when I when I do some of this, I try to think, okay, what are the not what are not just what are some of the hot topics, but who are the who are the people in the organization that generate a lot of interest? The Cowboys are one, and the Raiders 
for another right. one in my yeah. mind. So I didn't just throw it. So I did ask a specific question, but essentially, what's your view of uh, the John Gruden era three years into his 10-year contract? And open-ended eyes. Didn't, you know, I'm not trying to lead anybody down a path. Obviously, it hasn't been perfect. I haven't right, no, no playoff appearances since he's been here. And, you know, some of the draft picks are curious. Re, you know, re, reshuffling out the whole offensive line this year and, you know, some other things. And obviously it's one of those jobs that, that people pay attention to and with him in particular because of his big name and he's got that huge contract. And I think the, the, the what I try to do with the responses, I interviewed 33 agents. I can't, I don't have the space even on the Internet to uh, put each response, but I tried for each answer to have the responses that were there sort of reflect the, the overall weight of the of the takes, and I would say in general, people were either those who were supporters of, of, of the hire initially, or believe in Gruden, have been disappointed, and others, you know, saw it as a, as a, a sort of the, the, what they that they believe all along that this wasn't a great hire that he's been overrated. Um, you know, some brought up all he won with Tony Dungy's players in Tampa that the game has passed him by that he certainly should not have total say over everything that's happening. Um, somebody made the point that it feels like they're drafting players almost um, like they're trying to prove something as opposed to just sort of, hey, you know what, this is actually uh, pretty good. I mean, I, I don't, I know like Alex Leatherwood this year, I mean, I, I don't know how he's been doing in camp. I know he was considered a potential first-round pick, but it felt like he was picked ahead of where mock drafts were projected, which doesn't mean that's a wrong pick. It's just like that was like one of several examples that I'm sure you guys know of where, where it feels like, wait, why did they take this guy in this spot or why are they doing these things? So, I think it's. I think there's definitely some skepticism about what's going on, um, but I think there's also some people that said, "Hey, you know, if you want to doubt John Gruden, go ahead." It's not like they've been terrible. Um, you know, he's trying to figure this out with his quarterback. It maybe isn't exactly his guy, but they're trying to make it work. Um, as somebody said that basically, with based on his contract, John Gruden's going nowhere. But this is probably a big year for Mike Mayock and Derek Carr to stick around. I don't know if that's if that's the conventional thinking at where, where you guys are, but um, you know. I think that's kind of the view. Everybody kind of realizes Gruden's going nowhere, but that obviously it's got to get a lot better, and some are skeptical that that's going to happen if he's going to continue to have total control of the whole situation. We're talking right now with Ben Standick from The Athletic on Twitter at Ben Standick here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and kind of sticking with that whole theme as far as, uh, you know, John Gruden, and there wasn't a lot of glowing reviews in this in this piece, and, uh, again, great work by you just to, you know, get this information, but, uh, you know, the the one thing that kind of makes me scratch my head is when, uh, and you mentioned it, they say that, oh, the game has passed him by. I don't understand where that comes from. Like, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I know I'm not the football genius. You know, I'm not, I'm not a um, Lombardi or anything. They're not making trophies after me, but it seems like he's up to speed on everything football related. Where's the, you know, the game's passing by quote come from? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, obviously to a certain degree, I mean, like, let, let's, you know, I guess to be clear, and I, I would hope this is sort of obvious, but just because these agents say things doesn't mean they're not full of crap. Yes. <laughs> that's how you that. Yes. I mean, now we're they, getting some good word, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they may you know they, their opinion does not necessarily always reflect reality. I mean, you know, obviously John Gruden is you know he's known for his offensive systems, right? This is what this is what he. This is what he does, and it's not like Derek Carr hasn't put up significant numbers over the last uh, few years, um, but the wins haven't haven't been there. So, you know, I, I'll leave it up to the X's and O's experts to say 
well, you know, I'm going to rank the top 15 play callers in the league. John Gruden, you know, John Gruden doesn't make that list, or you know, he doesn't come close to Sean McVay and and, and others in this league. I, I, I'm not sure, but um, you know, I, I guess the point is, you know, at one point John Gruden was perhaps considered to be something of a you know, an inventor or, you know, a guy who was really at the forefront of what was happening, and now perhaps it feels like he's pulled back a bit. You know, he's, whatever he is, he's not the one sort of breaking new ground. Then maybe that's just somebody has to write a feature in some major publication that says John Gruden reinvented the wheel, and everybody says, oh, see, I told you John Gruden is that guy. But, you know, I think maybe there's some feeling of whatever he is, he is no longer the golden boy. We're way past that. He's three years into this. The Raiders haven't had the success that some people envisioned and therefore, you know, forget the general managering kind of part of this. How about it from the coaching perspective? Is he still this golden boy that people are projecting? And I guess in the opinion of some, he is not. All of which can change in a spur of a moment. One with, winning season. With, with one winning season or a big <laughs> playoff run. Right. I think the, the Howie Rosen thing kind of proves that. You know, one day you're up on the top of the hill, the next day you're not because the record uh, kind of reflects that. Where I'm fascinated with, is you know uh, the the negotiations the uh, mm-hmm. who's the hard uh, line guy who's not going to budge who's going to you know uh, put their chips at the middle of the table and stare you down uh, in terms of that and I want to go directly to Bill uh, uh, Bill Belichick in that regard because obviously he runs that show over there what's the level of respect fear admiration dislike whatever, when it comes to agents dealing with a Bill Belichick. Good one. Yeah, so I believe he was, I think, he was very high on the list of the least Scared agents. I think he, a bunch of scared <laughs> agents kissing his butt. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just kidding. He, Just also, kidding. he also simultaneously was given, he was like the one agent, I mean, it was sort of on both lists, like the guy who was right. like really, really good and the untrustworthy. The untrustworthy almost sort of falls under a category of like, yeah, I don't know if I, that, how good he is right now kind of. Kind of thing. Obviously, with Belichick, I think everybody. Is, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the the scared element. I mean, he is not going to budge. You go into a negotiation with Bill Belichick. This is the deal. I think for some agents, the issue with him is that um, you know, like, like one of the one of the things that makes Bill Belichick has made him such a great um, executive, essentially over the years, is he has a dollar, he has a value on a player, and the second it gets to a certain point, he doesn't care who that player is, essentially. He will trade that player if he thinks that the deal itself will be better, even if it's the starter in some capacity. He does. He doesn't get. To, he doesn't use sentimentality and all that. Uh, and from that, I think a lot of agents get frustrated because sometimes it's their guy who's getting sent out, or is you know they, when they're trying to sign him, they they might be saying, "Well, we we only view you at this level. We're not really going to budge." You know, this is sort of a Carmack situation. The price is this. If you want in. Great, but other than that, we're not really going to negotiate. I think for some agents, that's a frustrating thing because the usual conversation is, okay, well, we'll offer three years for $10 million. Well, we want three for this, and you know, whatever it may be. And I think there's that. But ultimately, there's nothing. I, I think there's just you know, tons of respect. How could there not be for a guy that's done everything that he has done, both as a coach and effectively as the GM of the team, more or less, the guy running the show? So, I, yes, I, I, I think some people are, are frustrated with that, with, with that, how he does things. But at the same time, you know, I think everybody kind of understands. All right. Um, messages you, you can name names if you want or not. Uh, but I want to know if there's a guy that any agent said, I wouldn't want that guy running my peewee football team, <laughs> let alone, you know, the, whoever. Uh, is there, was there anybody out there 
that just was got zero respect? Um, trying to think here. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess the the there was a different question about what team had the most disappointing offseason, and the Houston Texans were the runaway oh, yeah, winner. Yeah. You know, for for all kinds of reasons, some of which are not even about the football side of things because of the Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. situation with the legal side that's still going on. That said, you know, between the Jack Easterby of it all, um, mm-hmm. not so much Nick Casario just yet, but he's sort of guilt by association. I just think everything about that whole situation was just a constant clubbing um, one way or the other. That, so that Bill O'Brien. Yeah. There's just a lot, yeah, a lot going that, on, a, a lot going on there. I, one that was interesting to me, and it's not exactly to the question that you asked, but to the question of um, did, uh, who do you trust the, the, the least, um, a couple of the agents picked Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, and they did so because, like you said, one, they feel that he is overseeing everything and that, you know, Miami had an, an unusual circumstance where they signed a bunch of guys to contract last year and then peddled a bunch of them off. Uh, one of them was Eric Flowers, who they traded to Washington, the team I cover this year after signing to a three-year deal last year. And the sense from some of these agents was that, you know, they're, that, that, that doing what the Dolphins did, signing these players to big deals, and then one year in, you know, sort of not going back on their word because they gave them the deal, but like, you know, sort of kind of to some degree kind of shifting courses that dramatically. I think that really, at least for a couple of these agents, has rubbed them the wrong way. So I thought that one was sort of surprising to me. It wouldn't say that I put him at the bottom of the list, but it was an interesting uh, look because that, that one was just kind of out of left field to me. Yeah, that's, that is very interesting. We're talking right now yeah, with Ben Standick from The Athletic on Twitter, at Ben Standick, and only got time for about one more question. So I got to ask you, I, I wanted to deep dive into the Cowboys and all that and, and Washington, the football team, but I'll just ask you straight up, man, what was the team that, in your opinion, uh, the agents had the most respect for that front office? Well, I mean, I mentioned the Colts before. I mean, I think there's a, a ton of respect for Chris Bauer. He did really well. In the uh, in, in pretty much all the categories, his assistant GM Ed Dodd was 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 one of the top vote getters in the category of uh, future GM to watch. Um, I think look, I think the teams that win are the ones that typically get a lot of the attention. Right, Seattle right. with John Schneider uh, came up a bunch. Kansas City, uh, their, their situation came up a bunch. Tampa Bay, uh, Jason Light didn't necessarily get individual attention, but as a group, especially the fact that they were able to keep. Everybody, all their main players from a team that won the Super Bowl. Um, I think maybe a lot of people give Tom Brady credit for that, but however it came to be, right. I think the Bucks as an organization, you know, for not only acquiring the talent but but having been able to keep everybody together, I think really was a, was a big surprise to a lot of people and really impressive. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Ben, you did a great job on the article. I know it's not easy, uh, you know, when you're you're writing about uh, different teams and, you know, it's everything is not glowing uh, remarks. Everything is not ra- rainbows and puppy dogs, and so it's not easy, but you did a great job with the research. Uh, like you said, three years uh, strong doing this, and so uh, good stuff, my man. We definitely appreciate you, and we'll be talking to you soon. I appreciate it. I'm coming. Uh, hopefully I'm coming out to see you guys in, uh, during the season when Washington comes in, so uh, looking forward to it. Nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Ben. Thanks. There he goes. Ben Standick from The Athletic. Great job on the article. And it's, it's so tough. And, Vinny, you mentioned it, man. Winning changes everything. You can all of a sudden be in the doghouse. And then 
all of a sudden you go and have a great run like the Eagles did, and then you're in the, in the penthouse. And then all of a sudden you lose your quarterback and some other things happen, you're back in the outhouse. Yeah, no doubt about it. And a lot of this is recency biased. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an agent that might be upset over something that just happened right. with one of his clients. Trent Brown's agent, Antonio Brown's agent. Yeah, exactly. Which happens to be the same guy. Right. <laughs> no doubt about it. And, I mean, I'm just saying. But, you, you know, and, and – and, but that's also a, uh, a lesson, and you can't let that. Like, each situation is right. unto itself. Yep. The Trent Brown situation, the Antonio Brown situation, uh, if you're uh, Ro- Rosenhaus, Rosenhaus, yeah, true. you can't hold that against the Raiders. You should they had their Because cho- you're, you're going to have another guy that's right. going to, you know, eventually cross paths with the Raiders, and you can't let that um, experience – damage or affect right. whatever other experience you might have with another player because that's because that player has nothing to do with Trent Brown right. and nothing to do with Antonio right. Brown. And so you as a professional, Drew Rosenhaus, and he is, has to treat that entirely different. Scott Boris does that right. quite a bit. I mean, That's why they're be- the best in the business. They're, yeah. they're really good at what they do for a reason. Right. They're not going to let one situation dictate right. uh, the other. And it's hard to do with feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to get – there's going to be some testy phone calls. There's going to yep. be te- some testy – texts and conversations, but you understand that everybody has their position, everybody has their objective, and the best deals are always the one that gets kind of meet in the middle where everybody walks away satisfied. Um, and so, you know, that's that's something that, you know, but you, you, you in, a, in a poll like this, you might get a guy on the wrong day right. because something just happened, a phone call just happened between John Gruden and him or whoever we're talking about, and he's like, well, the heck with this guy, you know, and, and especially when it's anonymous. You know, it's, it's tough. I, I have to do anonymous stuff myself. Uh, it's part of the business. You don't always like it, but sometimes you're getting the raw truth and the most accurate truth. But there's also that danger of when somebody isn't putting their name to it, they may go a little bit overboard. Yeah, embellish it a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. 3.53 is the time. Chris Chapman back in the home studio. I definitely appreciate you, my man, uh, really making things work uh, on this Friday as we're here at the TI Golden Circle Sportsbook. We encourage you to come by. Got a lot of prizes here on my laptop. I actually got a hornet's nest on my laptop. Looks like I got a mess over here, but it's okay. We're working through it. I'll give you some uh, prizes. You come by and say hello. Vinny, we're going to hit the top of the hour. We got the doctor coming up. Who we got coming up next? Dr. Robert. Odell from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas going to uh, walk us through some of these injuries, and we will get to him next. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We are live right now, like Dirty Nelly. We're going down, down, down. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Chapman on the wheels of steel making it happen. Back in the home studio, we're here at the TI Golden Circle Sportsbook. Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle, your boy Q. We still have an hour long, hour strong to go here on today's show. Very excited about that. Coming up, we have Dr. Odell. Robert Odell. By the way, I don't think uh, Scott Zolak would like the uh, lead-in music right there. What <laughs> no. was that? Come on. Scott Q. Zolak said Cam Newton cannot concentrate and cannot perform because he listens to rap music. Well, because Let of that the rap sink music in. that they're playing at practice. Let that sink like, in. Like, like This is 2021. Let that sink what in. What was Scott Zolak's excuse? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let that sink in. He said that rap music was stopping Cam Newton. This is a guy that was at one point, and I, I know that his game's not what it was, but he was a league MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think a lot of that is injury related. Um, he's just been beaten. He's up just been beaten up in his career. There was a time where Cam was the man. If and if you were if you were being honest, the referees let some things slide of when course. it came to it's a the Cam Shaquille O'Neal effect. Yes, it's the same thing. When you're a big mammoth man, you get hit and beat up a little bit more. But uh, speaking of beat up and injured and all that good stuff, we'll talk to Doctor. Robert Odell yes. coming up next. Unnecessary roughness in the huddle here on Raider Nation Radio 920.